It's your girl, Dr. Carmen, coming at you with another live podcast. And we are talking about confidence and why confidence matters as an entrepreneur. So sit back on the couch, pull up your tea, and let's get into it. All right, let's talk about this. This is a topic that I decided to bring to you because it keeps coming up and and especially it keeps coming up with clients this week and different spaces where I co-moderate this week. It keeps coming up. So boys, it's an all girls club tonight. It's a ladies night. Um, It's a ladies club. If it's daytime where you're going to be listening to this, because I want to speak specifically to the women. It has been the female clients that are struggling with this in this month and this week. I'm not saying that my male clients don't have these issues from time to time, but this is for my girls. Why confidence matters. In order to have confidence, there was a study. um, I'm going to talk about a different study from Forbes, but it wasn't a business magazine. I want to say it was Enterprise But basically, what separates the boys from the girls is that the boys are really super confident. They will take more risks in business because they're confident. Now, this just doesn't mean in business and financial sectors. I'm talking about any business. Yes, there are higher stakes sometimes in financial businesses. But if you are a single mom trying to make it work for your family, for your children, you're the breadwinner. It may affect you if you don't have enough confidence to take the big risk to get the big outcome, okay? If you don't have the confidence, as some of my clients this week have not had the confidence, then you don't, number one, take your seat at the table. If you don't have the confidence, then you don't believe that you have a right to have a voice while you're at the table. You don't ask the things like asking for a promotion. You don't ask the things like asking for a salary increase. You don't propose certain uh, ways to flex in your marketplace. You don't bring up big ideas and accept that you own those ideas. You know, a lot of women have great ideas, but they don't own those ideas. They give them away to the boys at the table. I'm not trying to be anti-man. I am, again, trying to educate you, my sisters, my business sisters, about having the right outlook and gaining some confidence to do the damn thing. So if you don't believe, you don't have the confidence that you have the skills, that you belong there, that you deserve to be there, then you're not going to ask for all the things that the boys ask when they get to the table. Then you're not going to use your opportunities wisely when you have a seat at the table. You're going to be the one getting the coffee instead of voicing your ideas, giving your input asking for what you deserve. So last time we talked about self-confidence, I believe that was last month. It again, seems to be a perpetual 
conversation because it keeps coming up and it keeps coming up. So this time I am going to bring you some tips and pointers from an article in Forbes uh, written by a woman. Um, and it tells you how to get that confidence in the business realm. So the author is Elise Stoltz Dickerson. Elise is a um, female entrepreneur, writer, and this article was from 2020, June 2020. It just so happens that it's applicable to what we're talking about. So the title of the um, article is Advice from a Female CEO, How to Build Your Confidence in and Out of the Office. So the reason I love, 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 love this article is because it touches on a lot of the points that I have been talking about to my female clients this week and in the spaces where I moderate to try to help with the same topic. So um, her first tip is the, to quiet the inner critic. Now, if you come to me for therapy, we may talk about this a lot, especially if you're anxious and depressed. We need to shut off that inner critic because that inner critic squelches all of the creative ideas that you have. It keeps you from throwing paint on the wall and figuring out what sticks, what arrangement, what color works best for you. Same deal with business. So she's saying you have to quiet the inner critic and listen to me carefully here. You have to quiet the inner critic to stop the imposter syndrome. So I will give you some examples. Um, not wanting to set boundaries in the workspace. You are working 60, 80 plus hours and have said steadily, there needs to be some structure here um, because I'm doing A to Z from, you know, and I'm wearing all the hats and one, I'm not getting compensated. Two, I'm working so many hours, I don't have time to rest. And three, you know, I've already said that this job requires more than just me. So if you feel like an imposter and you can shout it out, you can text me, DM me, let me know later. If you feel like an imposter, are you going to address those issues in your workplace? You know, um, the, the inner critic is the one that comes by and says, you know, you don't really have the skills for that. Um, um, Susie, you really are not qualified for that position. Never mind, Susie, that you have been doing all the things, even though you don't have all the quote unquote credentials, you've been doing all the things and you may have been doing all the things for years. So yes, Susie, you are qualified because you are fulfilling the description and skill sets listed under what you do. And Susie, if it's not listed, hon, you need to go and have them revise the description of what you're doing and what you're paid to do. If you're not, if all of that's not under that umbrella, they, they need to give you a title that fits with that and a salary that's commensurate to that. So a salary that's equal to all the work that you do all the skills that you employ. What is everybody else using those skills get paid, okay? 
That's what I'm talking about. But you can't even get there if you're still listening to that inner critic say, mm, no, you don't deserve a promotion. You, you don't have what it takes because, you know, you're freaking out right now. And you told them you could do X, Y, Z. You don't deserve a promotion. Or the inner critic is telling you, okay, Jane, it's not going to work. You cannot set limits with your boss because then they're going to know that you really can't do all the things that you're telling them you can do. Hold up, Susie. Hold up. Wait a minute. It's not that you can't do all the things that you say you can do. It is that you need to prioritize um, your work life. I'm not saying that you're not a good priority maker. I'm saying that maybe you need to help them focus on the key things that you do for your company so that you can do those things and you can outsource or get somebody underneath you to do the routine, less important things that you do for the company. So again, you got to silence the inner critic, get him, duct tape him. And I'm sorry, I'm not picking on the men. Again, you can duct tape him or her to stop telling you that you're a fraud, that you're not qualified, that you don't do the job well enough, that they're going to discover that you're not really doing your job or you're not working as hard as you should be. Now, if you're not working as hard as you should be, you need to address that. I'm not talking about that. If it's true, it's true. And I'm not here to whip you or hurt you. But if that's the facts and you could be working more efficiently, effectively, do that, sis, do that. Okay, this is not what we're talking about. Inner critics only want to hurt you and they will take a little kernel of the truth and twist it and point it back at you and make you seem like Medusa when you might actually look like Gabrielle Union or Giselle Bündchen or um, Michelle Obama. You, You get what I'm saying here? They will twist it enough and distort it enough to make you look ugly and unworthy. So you have to silence those voices um, by practicing some self-love and kindness, replacing those negative thoughts with more positive thoughts. So, you know, I have told some of my ladies, get out your badass list. And I borrowed that um, but it still applies. Get out your badass list, get out your success list. What are you really good at? What have you been like high-fiving yourself for? What are the things that you do that you really excel at? You know, you're super good at organizing. You're super good at visualizing the whole problem and coming up with solutions. Maybe you're super good at seeing how all pieces in the company fit together and how they can fit together better to make the company more effective. What are your bona fide, badass qualities, skills, etc.? Are you the one that always shows up and always gives the nth degree? And again, proviso here. If you're giving the nth degree to the point that you're 
empty and on the point of burnout, we need you to roll that back a little bit. But are you the one that they can always count on? Are you reliable? Are you the one that is always prompt and prepared? You know, those are some of the things, you know, are you resourceful? Are you capable? You know, get the badass list out, sis, and read that badass list every day, especially if you are one that is on Sunday having a meltdown and a breakdown because you really don't want to go into work. Or, you know, when it's time to go to bed at night, you're really like, oh, just don't want to go there. If you can silence that inner critic, you can ask for what you need and make your office environment better for you. And if you can't make your office environment better for you, then you will have the confidence enough to shop your skills elsewhere. So um, let's see, make sure I didn't miss anything else, you know, reminding yourself that I am qualified, I'm capable, I'm resourceful, I am, you know, all of those I am's related to your job. If you're not quite there yet, do the things you need to do to acquire a few more skills. What other skills would I need to make myself um, open to become a candidate for this position or that position? What other skills would I need to acquire to get a bump in my pay? If not here, somewhere else. Okay, that's what I want you to be thinking about. I am becoming the best programmer. I am becoming the best, you know, junior manager. Um, I am becoming the best uh, HR specialist. If you're not feeling it yet, talk about what you're becoming. Okay, because sometimes it just is too opposite of what you're actually feeling and it's too hard for you to see yourself already there let's talk about can I feel myself becoming this great female executive can I see myself becoming you know maybe I'm not c-level yet maybe I'm not c-level you know I'm ready for the c-suite but what's two steps under that can can I get there am I embodying that? Am I getting what I need to get to position me for that? And, you know, that's where you need to be coming. That's what you need to be looking at. That's what you need to be rehearsing and talking about to yourself instead of all those negative things that the inner critic says, and you just pair it back, pair it back, pair it back. I suck. I'm always late. I... I struggle so hard to come up with those reports. You know, I don't know enough about how it works here. Let's talk about what you do know and how how much you've learned if you just started a year ago in a position and how much, how quickly you were able to adapt. Okay, let's talk about that. The second thing she advises is low stakes practicing. So you've got some performance anxiety about making suggestions or bringing up your ideas in company meetings and so forth. Why not practice with your family, your significant other, some of your friends who are business-minded and in the same profession? Practice 
with them on a low risk thing about some things you want to do about voicing your opinions, uh, you know, to improve a proposal or voicing certain ideas about maybe you want to solicit business in a new sector, you know, how can we get more sales over here or proposing that they look at a different um, clientele group to bring in business and also get you commission, but flesh it out, practice it on your loved ones. If you are interviewing for a new position, practice your interview questions. You know, what could they throw at you? Okay, well, have your loved one throw some things at you acting as if they were Don Q from so-and-so company. Um, Do little low-risk things like that. Build your confidence. Feel like you know it backwards and forwards. And I'm I'm gonna age myself a little bit. Back in the day when I was, first entering the job market, it might have been in midways of my undergraduate degree or just afterwards. I read the book about 101 interview questions and I practiced the most common ones. What would be my answer if I got it? What would be my answer if they said this to me? You know, how would I negotiate for salary? When would I say, you know, I need to know what the salary is? All of those things. I practiced it. I rehearsed it. I did it out loud all the time, sometimes with a family member, sometimes not. Until I felt like whatever they threw at me, I could do that. Um, So practice, rehearse it with somebody who loves you, who cares about you, who's not your enemy, but who will also give you constructive criticism. So um, it will help improve your uh, overall presentation. It will help get some of the nerves out because you already know what you're going to say or have an idea of what you would say if those questions came up. Nowadays, we have these panels of interviewers, not necessarily questions related to your job, but practice doing the on-camera interview. If they give you a chance to record answers to different questions, practice and then hit record. Practice with your phone, hit record, time it, see how succinct, how short you can get it, say the most things in the least amount of time related to answering the question practice get your family members to review the recordings and your answers to those questions oh I'm getting long-winded I'm sorry I'm really really passionate no I'm not sorry sorry not sorry I'm really passionate about this and about empowering you to be the best to you and to show up for you in the best way possible um The third thing she says is, oh, I lost one. Pardon me. Your work does not equal your worth. Now, admittedly, this is something I usually talk with my male clients about more than my female clients. However, um, unfortunately, statistics are showing that more and more females are adopting, exhibiting, 
the same work habits as their male counterparts, which also means they're more likely to have heart attacks and, you know, stress-related medical illnesses. And this is one of those things that make you more likely to have those issues. So just like Brene Brown says, um, just like this author says, hustling for your worthiness will leave you exhausted and weary. Okay, the author's direct quote, hustling for your worthiness will leave you exhausted and weary. So if you're constantly in a hustle a hustle energy state, and I'm going to borrow a little bit from, um, from more mindset and woo-woo um, culture, um, you need to not be in hustle flow and you need to just flow. The flow is what attracts more of what you want. The flow is what um, makes it easy for you to see the next opportunity, makes it easy for others to approach you with the next opportunity. When you're in the hustle, it tries to tell you the more you do, the more you earn, the better you are. And again, This is the thing that leads to more stress-related medical illnesses, constantly being in this stress-slash-hustle culture because they want to reward you for the more stressed out you are, the more um, thinly spread you are as far as your energies and efforts. They want you to be feel great for that, feel like you should get pats on the backs and gold stars, but you're killing yourself. So seek not to make the work everything and seek not to make working yourself to the utmost the goal. Um, It should not be you. It should not define you. Um, You're worth what you say you're worth. You're worth what you believe you are worth. If you don't believe you're worth anything, again, it goes back to my earlier point. You're not going to ask to be compensated for what you're worth. You're not going to be asked to be paid what you're worth. You're not going to ask to take on bigger projects. You're not going to ask to have your ideas considered, implemented. You're not going to ask for your seat at the table and use your seat at the table If you're constantly in that hustle culture, if you're more in the flow, my term, um, then according to the author of the Forbes article, you are giving yourself permission to go home at five o'clock, to close the spreadsheets at the end of the day, not to take 5, 10, 16, 20, 50 more calls instead of getting home to, you know, be present for your children, be present for your partner. You're not going to do those things. Um, Knowing your worth allows you to uh, learn from inevitable slip-ups while moving on to the next challenge. Again, the difference between men and women in the workplace, according to research, is that Men take more risks. They take more risks because they believe I am the greatest salesperson that ever lived on earth, or I am the greatest CEO that ever lived on earth. 
oh, that didn't work out quite the way I wanted. All right, let me try something else. Or let me try it again with somebody else. No big deal. Because I'm still the greatest XYZ that ever was presented in this business. Women, on the other hand, and I heard that in, in the groups that I moderate, I hear that with my female clients. It's like, if I screw this up, if I make one little mess up, they're going to kick me out. If I make this little mistake, they're going to kick me out. Well, did you cost the company hundreds of thousands of dollars? Did you, you know, mismanage funds for your project? I mean, how big is your mix, mix up? Most of the time with the women, it's really, really, really negligible mix-ups you know something didn't get put into a proposal well did anybody else have that problem oh yeah so the directions for that proposal uh, that everybody was going for were not clear so many of the other businesses also missed the key ingredient hello let's just put it in there and we'll do better next time or we'll read carefully next time or we'll Ask more questions next time if it's not clear. Men will do that. Women, because they are so much less confident in their skills and their worthiness, will say, oh, that's it. I'm throwing in the towel because, you know, they're going to fire me tomorrow. And it's all over, you know, because I forgot to... I don't know, cross a T, dot an I. I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but you get my message about how small it can be compared to some of the mistakes in, in um, slips that some of the male counterparts might make and still keep pushing, still go for the promotion or still go for the contract or the next similar contract instead of quitting because they believe they deserve it. They believe that they are supposed to be there, supposed to have that, supposed to get that outcome. But when you're not confident, and especially if you're not confident in your female, you don't believe that. So you're not going to do that. And then you don't progress as far in your business. You don't put yourself out there in your business. So you don't achieve the kinds of success your male counterparts do who will take bigger risks. You're always carefully calculating and taking tiny risks that don't net you much. I'm not saying that you have to take big risks all the time. But you need the self-confidence so you can really show up for yourself, show up for your business, and show up for your goals and why you're doing those goals are for you and your family, right? And also, as women, to be able to show your other female counterparts who are a few steps behind you, few positions down the totem pole, or your female children siblings, nieces, nephews, well, nieces, show them how it could work. Show them how it could be. Because for some of them, there is no example 
for them to look to. You may not have had an example to look to, but if they can look at you and say, well, she made this little mistake or that little mistake, but she's there. She was really scared to do it. She was the only one like her, but she did it. That's what I want for you guys. That's what I hope you have. Um, So I hope that you got some value out of this and got some understanding of some things to do to build your confidence in the business sphere. When we talked last month, it was more about the personal confidence. This is how to build your confidence as an entrepreneur from a female CEO's perspective. So check out the article in Forbes. Like I said, it was from 2020 um, in June, June 27th, 2020. um, Forbes magazine talking about working remote. Um, So there you have it. You can look it up online. And the author, once again, is Elise Stoltz Dickerson. So um, again, if you get some value out of this, if there are other topics that you would like me to cover, um, please drop me a DM, um, shout me out on social medias and tag me on social media. Um, if you do shout me out and um, you know, it'd be lovely if you could like, share and subscribe on all the platforms that this appears on um, because we're trying to build our membership. And again, at the end of the month, we will reward raving fans on various media platforms. Um, We're still working on the reward system, but again, don't forget to like and subscribe and I will see you next week. Bye.